and welcome to Out on Her Fanny. A podcast about the nanny. I'm Ben. And I'm Mandy. And we are joined uh, in this specific episode by a, a very special guest. It's a face that is very familiar, I'm sure, to many people. Uh, and for an audio podcast. For an audio podcast. A very familiar face very for... Familiar. An audio medium. <laughs> we are kind of celebrating the fact that as of the previous episode, we joined the Grand Geek Gathering Podcast yes. Network. So as a guest for this episode, we thought it'd be really cool and fly and also funky fresh to have on uh, as our very first guest, the the man behind the, the throne. The, of... the, the gathering of the Grand Geeks. Yes, the grandest geek at the gathering, Tyler McPhail. <laughs> Hello, Tyler. <laughs> howdy, doody. How, how, how? I'm very glad that you you offered greetings to your fecal matter. The first question I have before we actually, because we are going to talk about the the uh, the fourth episode. The fourth episode, which we should say that this is also the first episode that we are recording that is actually post HBO Max putting out <laughs> the episodes, which makes it easy to get guests now. Frankly, yeah. Um, but part of that is finding out the order that HBO Max has put things in, which is a different it's order a very than different order. anywhere else. Yeah, I think uh, it's production order, if I had to guess, but I'm not finding anything to confirm that. Yeah, we are currently going in broadcast order, so this is going to be episode four. Yes. But if you're watching on HBO Max, that's episode two. Yes. Tyler, was this your first exposure to the nanny? Had you seen much of the nanny before we watched this episode? No. Um. Okay, it's weird because I, I grew up, Watching it, I, I did watch it live. Like there was only a couple of of like sitcoms I would watch with my family. Like we would always watch mm. Drew Carey show The Nanny, and then like I would watch like Boy Meets World, and um, I think The Wonder Years, if I remember correctly. I think th they those might have been mm -hmm. a rerun. But yeah, I watched The Nanny and all those other sit and a few other sitcoms. And strangely enough, I don't remember anything from them. The only one I, <laughs> I the only one I remember is, is Drew Carey show because I still watch it today on repeat. I think I've watched all of Drew, well, seasons one through six of Drew Carey show. I think like seven or eight times uh, because wow. I I have I have them on my computer. From legal ways. Yes. <laughs> you buy the DVDs and then you put the DVD yes, in the, the DVD drive on your computer and you watch them legally. Absolutely. The DVDs that were never released. Exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, you, well, I was talking about this on Facebook today. Like, it's shockingly easy to get bootleg stuff now, especially when they are advertising bootleg DVDs in the same way that you would find, like, an unlicensed t-shirt. Like, it's only available for the next 48 hours. Like, I saw a DC movies collection on Facebook yesterday that is every movie from Superman up to Wonder Woman 84 on Blu-ray in a very unofficial looking collection. And they're just advertising it. Like it's yep. nothing. Yeah. I think the funny thing of, about that is, it's just like, if it was like something Disney, it would be down like two seconds before they press oh, the yeah. submit button. Warner Brothers or Time Warner is just like, uh, oh, what happened two weeks ago? And like, it's just crazy. When I worked at Disney, I worked very briefly in the home entertainment department doing a job you would love, actually. I was filing original sheet music from, I think it was The Muppets Tonight, <gasps> whichever one they did in the 90s. Like, original sheet music with like all the like pencil annotations <laughs> on the side. Oh, God, that job was so much. I did that for three weeks. But one of the things that they, they, they did for... I don't know if it was for everyone in the home entertainment department. My dad also worked in that department at the time. Um, but we did get, like, we had, like, a two-hour seminar on bootlegs. And they, Disney have a room in, in their offices where they just have a collection of bootleg 
Disney stuff. And some of it's very sophisticated. The packaging is very nice. They've been able to, like, some of them, they even recreate the hologram that you would get on the, the, oh, the, used to get on the DVDs. There is one, my favorite thing that I saw when I was working there in that room is a complete Disney collection that includes Space Jam. <laughs> it had every Disney movie from uh, from Snow White up to I want to say Home on the Range, and it included things like Space Jam and Bugs Bunny Collection Volume Two, not Volume One, just Volume Two. <laughs> yeah, you know because it's the complete one. Yeah, when Walt, when Walt Disney created Bugs Bunny, you know, and, Be- yes. and, and Betty Boop, yeah. and when he created you know Astro Boy and all these other. <laughs> And he also created Michael Jordan. That's as we right. Know. He <laughs> yes. But we are here to discuss. We're gonna let's, let's crack on with the nanny, and it is yeah. season one, episode four. Yes, and we did finally learn uh, how to pronounce this episode. At least, kind of. There's a yeah. pronunciation guide in the episode because the word is said, and uh, Fran gives Maxwell a pronunciation guide. The what? Schlep? The Nuchschlep. <laughs> the Nuchschlep, I yeah. believe, is it's the like correct pronunciation. Nuchschlep. So I'm not, yes. I wasn't entirely off. I just didn't, I, it wasn't as guttural, which I don't yeah. think that I can really get it as guttural. Yeah, you leaned into the, the kind of the Klingon of it. <laughs> the, I don't even know what that is supposed to mean. Go back, Tisha. Yes. That's just, that's just yes and no in Klingon. So this episode opens with uh, Niles is sick. Niles is sick. Well, he specifically says that he's queer. Yes. Um, and then there's a bit of Fran making a, again, a, a very 90s reference. Very 90s don't ask, <laughs> don't tell reference. Th- specifically what she says. She says, Don't ask, don't tell. But for God's sakes, come out of the closet. Which is, which what she says is, don't ask, don't tell, but do tell. Yeah. <laughs> That's what that means. Yep. So so Niles goes up to bed sick. And so Fran... The, I do want to point out, because she also does a, a bit of talking about how the English, they look like us, they sound like us, but they are foreigners. And that's something that we I... We both nodded I'm, sagely. I am always here for some bullying of English people. <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the bedrock of our relationship. Uh, <laughs> so are there any examples of something British that I've said recently where you have been like, why, why the fuck is that the word that has come out of your mouth today? Um... I mean, mostly whenever you n- talk about a place, like your sister has been looking at places to live, and all of them sound like fake places. There are a lot of very fun nonsense places in the UK that do not sound real. Like Shoreham by Sea. It, what, what is that? That's not a thing. There's there's a small town called Biggleswade, which definitely, as you pointed out, sounds like a place where some cartoon hedgehogs yeah. Uh, make their lives. I think I've heard of that one. I think that's like I, either like an Edgar Wright interview or something. I watch way too much stuff about Edgar Wright, and so I think he's actually mentioned that one. I don't know. That one sounded familiar. You know, I'm from I'm from Texas, where we have blanket Texas, Bigfoot Texas, uh, Buddha Texas, Bug Tussle Texas, Bal- Balmoria Texas, and Cool Texas. Such lovely names. Cool Texas. Cool Texas. There's a t- there are several towns across the U.S. called Intercourse. Really? Oh yeah, Intercourse, Pennsylvania. Yeah. 
Oh. Yeah, that's like Amish country. Yeah. They do sell merchandise that says I heart intercourse. <laughs> anyway, so uh, they make fun of the English and then uh, Fran. I experience sends- a microaggression <laughs> and then Niles goes to bed sick and Fran says she'll order, she'll take care of dinner. Yeah, uh, which much to the horror of everyone, but fortunately she just means that she's going to order Chinese food. Yes. So they place the order and then they wait forever for an hour and a half they wait forever for their food to get delivered and then who finally shows up but uh little little jimmy marston guest star jimmy x-man sonic the hedgehog marsden yes or my personal favorite him in hairspray (laughs) yes he's great in everything he's 27 dresses right i never saw it that's a katherine heigl vehicle right Yes. Well, when, like most Catherine Heigl vehicles, it broke down. Yes, it sure is. It yeah. sure is Jimmy Marsden. I heard you say 27 dresses, and my brain passed it as 13 going on 30. So I was getting ready to go, oh, I think you'll find that's Mark Ruffalo. You're wrong. Wrong Marvel character. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, they are, they are both Marvel characters. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, wow. And, now he, and he's also Sonic the Hedgehog's best friend. Move over, Tails. Jimmy Marsden stepping in. He's also a Disney prince. He's a Disney prince. He's a very good, like, and in this, he's also, like, does a very good job of, of, like, being the teen heartthrob person. Oh, he's such a teen heartthrob in this. He's got the jawline. He's got the Aaron Carter, like, mid part. Yes. Like, it definitely makes sense that, like, Maggie is super into him, and Fran kind of, like, like gives Maggie the money of, like, oh, yeah, you talk you talk to him and uh, give him the money and give him a good tip. And then she sneaks into the little, I think they call it, like, a butler's closet or something. It's the, but it's, it's, I'm going to call it the butlatorium. Yeah. <laughs> there's, some, there's some great dialogue in later scenes in this little butler's nook later. Yeah, it's just, like, this little nook that is made explicitly... To just spy on people. There's yeah. no other reason to have this. You have to wonder if Niles, if this house was built for Maxwell, did Niles have any input of like, I need a special area between the kitchen and the dining room where I can spy on you all. And all the ladles are in there. Oh, that's where all the ladles are. Yeah, there's so many ladles. There's a ladle for every occasion. So much of this, like, later Niles is dusting. He's like, oh, I can't hear you. And it's like, is very clearly listening in on all the gossips. So yeah. It's just like establishing Niles as someone who's just always spying on everyone. Is is this the first episode where we see Niles as kind of the snoop, as the as the spy? Is, has there been much of that in these early episodes? I mean, he's kind of like, they've still put him as a person who makes like snide remarks and yeah. things like that. Um, but I, th- I do think this is kind of the first time we've seen like, this is how he can make all those snide remarks because yeah. he's watching everyone. Yeah. I, I, I like Niles like in this because I don't know, like maybe for me, like in the nineties, I also forgot Fresh Prince for some reason. I love and breathe and still, I still love Fresh Prince, but it's really funny how like, yeah, Niles is so different from like other butlers in sitcoms from before where the other, like the other butlers are like the really, really sassy ones who just don't give a crap or to tell people exactly how they should, should or shouldn't feel. And mm. Niles is more of just like, yeah, I, I just want the tea. I just want the tea. <laughs> <laughs> I think also of like 90 sitcom butlers, you basically have, you have Niles and you have Jeffrey Butler from Fresh Prince, which is, by the way, another sitcom that was shot at 60, was shot on video. But of those two butlers, only one of them has ever appeared in Doctor Who and it's not the white English guy. 
<laughs> I mean, the actor who played Jeffrey Butler uh, was also an actor in the UK before he flew to America. And, but was he ever mm. in Star Trek? Um, I don't think he's done Star Trek. But Daniel Davis, uh, as we've mentioned several times, played Moriarty in two holodeck episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. Yeah. Uh, so they do their spying. Maggie successfully woos Jimmy Marsden and comes to join everyone of like, yay! And Brighton immediately points out, oh, great, who's going to tell Dad? Who already does not like this person. Yes, there was an incident in the pilot where Jimmy Marsden made out with Gracie. I don't know. No, ca- made out with Maggie. Sorry, yes, I'm getting. Don't characters. make out with Gracie. Let She's me take a baby. that again, so I'm not accidentally making putting Jimmy Marsden on a register. Uh, there was a moment in the pilot where Jimmy Marsden makes out with Gracie. No, no, I did, he did again. again. Okay, there's a moment in the pilot where Jimmy Marsden makes out with Brighton. No, no, uh, with with Maggie, and for that reason, Maxwell does not like him by default. Yeah, it was already like a like a point of contention. Yeah. I was like kind of like ruined the evening, got Fran fired. So this is really like a comeback, which in the broadcast thing, making this episode four is kind of like, oh, hey, it's that person from the pilot. Making them like back to back, I guess that would make sense for the production of it. Mm. But I don't I don't feel like it works as well of like the second episode. Yeah, uh, it like, makes more like, sense for it to, for us to already be like knee deep in Franny fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Franny, like, now, like, she's just like, yeah, you can't fire me again. Like, now you love me more. And then now we can now we can introduce this, the craziness, the, the chaos again. Yeah, and there's even a line that Maxwell has later in the episode where he talks about Fran always, like, imposes her will on things. It's like, you can't always be doing that if it's episode two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's such a weird, I don't, the order of the episodes on HBO Max makes absolutely no sense to me at all. But, so, Fran goes to tell Maxwell. Which we do initially have a thing of uh, Maxwell's presenting Cece with a surprise for her birthday. Makes her sit down as he gets on one knee. Cece, you've been alone too long. A lovely woman like you should have someone to come home to. Someone, someone who loves you. Oh, Maxwell. Just close your eyes and put out your hand. An engagement dog? I I beg your pardon? What an engaging dog! Uh, Like, so much of this, like, the show plays into that Cece is crazy for trying to get on on to Maxwell, and she has no chance with him. Meanwhile, he is putting himself on one knee and talking about how she needs someone to love and take care of her. And asks her to put out her hand. Which is not the traditional, like, put out one hand and then you put the leash on that. That's not the traditional way that you give someone a dog. You just go, here is dog. That'll be $50, please. Because you have to obviously have to buy the dog's soul. The dog Chester is actually Fran Drescher's dog. Or was uh, at the time. Yeah, I mean... They had creative differences after the show ended. <laughs> and... uh, oh, but that's why, so... Uh, Fran walks in because Cece has the dog and she's clearly disappointed, but trying trying her best to be okay. And like, I, like you just feel really bad for Cece in these early episodes because she has very much been led on yeah. a lot of things. But this is the thing: like, she gets unpleasant later, particularly as the sh- as the writers figure out that having her and Niles bounce off of each other is a lot of fun. She's not 
unpleasant. I mean, she's like a wasp and yeah. definitely thinks that she's too good for everyone. But they don't really do anything with that. Yeah, it's she's, like she's not she's not a character undeserving yeah. of love. <laughs> she's yeah, and, and this the show really like already doesn't like her. Yeah. Like from the opening titles where it's watch out, Cece, like we are being trained to dislike her for reasons that uh, have not yet even been figured out by the writers. But she gets the dog, the dog doesn't like her, and they're like, oh, the dog has to get used to you. And Fran walks in. Well, if he needs some time to get used to you. I mean, you can't expect a dog to just jump into your arms and love you at first sight. Mr. Sheffield! Oh, you got a rope coffee? Oh, how sweet! Oh, look how friendly he is! Oh, look, he's like a little chestnut. You should call him Chester. The dog's immediately obsessed and jumps right into her arms. Well, yeah, because it's Fran Drescher's dog. <laughs> yeah, and uh, when Cece tries to take the dog back, the dog, like, snarls, which is probably, like, it's an easy thing for them to kind of, I don't even know if the dog was trained or if it's just the dog already <laughs> likes Fran Drescher. I, I strongly suspect those snarls were added in post because they're very small and sudden. Yeah. Mm. And the dog... The dog the whole time just has this look in its face like, I'm on TV, this is great. <laughs> They're hiding some treats from me. Uh, so yes, it's funny how like CC is kind of like the like the, the Walker uh, Captain America in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. You're just like, I don't like you. <laughs> no, no, thank you. I don't want none of this. They've just just decided, nah, nah, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be. And that's, again, that's something that kind of gets developed more as the show progresses. Of course. And as the writer's kind of stumble haphazardly onto the idea of, oh, Cece and Niles do not like each other. Let's have them be catty to each other. And, and I think it's also something here. of like giving her more stuff because uh, they comment in more of the behind the scenes documentary stuff that she is a very like physical actress. And so mm. giving her more things to do other than like standing there stoically, like it's yeah. funny yeah. that she's such a like, a presence that gives this idea of like a very like waspy, elegant person. So it's funny when she's doing something ridiculous, which yeah. means that they need to give her ridiculous things to do. Like have a dog. Yeah, like have a dog. Oh, how ridiculous. Who would have a dog? <laughs> it does kind of go to show that Maxwell knows nothing about or to even think that the dog would mm. be a good idea. I mean, don't don't surprise people with pets. That's not a thing that you should ever do. And especially not someone like Cece. Yay, it's a responsibility, and slash or us crying in 10 years' time. <laughs> anyway, so Cece leaves uh, heartbroken uh, because she got a an engagement dog instead of an engagement ring. Uh, I'm getting you an engagement dog. Where would we put a dog? We have shelves. <laughs> you have that one corner that you can stay in at all times, and she's like, nope, just, it's like... yeah. We'll just do what they do in The Sims, where we just build a wall around the dog, and then if we ever need to feed the dog, we just demolish part of the wall, and then we put the... <laughs> this is the worst thing I've ever said. Oh, no. Um, so yeah, Fran, Fran shows up. Yeah, um, and Fran has to tell uh, Maxwell that Maggie is going on a date. Fran walks into the office and, and tells Maxwell, oh, uh, Gracie... Uh, tells Maggie. Tells Maggie... Uh, or no. tells, Maxwell tells Maxwell that Maggie that, that Maggie has a date. Maxwell's like, "Oh, no problem. Just tell her no." I'm tell like, her, that's yeah. that's not what we want. Fran is very much 
trying to like build up Maggie's confidence and built her like this is a big step for Maggie it's her first date so Fran is trying to convince Maxwell to go on and is really talking up Jimmy his name is Eddie in the show I'm not no, gonna call him Jimmy Marsden he, Jimmy Marsden. Be... he doesn't look like an Eddie does not look like an Eddie to me although I would if I would believe James Marsden as an Eddie Brock type if he had been if he'd been if he'd been cast as Eddie Brock in like the Topet Magobert Spider-Man movies <laughs> Maybe Topher Grace was perfectly cast. I don't think anybody in this world has an issue with that. Of course, of course. <laughs> and he's talking him up, and he's like, "Oh, he works as the waiter. He's also the delivery guy because he's saving money for Yale." And I'm not talking about the locksmith school either. <laughs> Yale, really? Mm-hmm. So what's he going to study? Uh, study, mamam. Uh, <laughs> Llamas. Drama. I feel like there's something of like in sitcoms, we just have a limited number of like, well, people know Ivy League schools. We're just going to name an Ivy League and you can study whatever. Yes, there. it's Yale. It's Harvard. It's uh, that's up. Oh, sorry, we've hit, we're at the bottom of the paper and there's nothing else here. It's... <laughs> uh, we're starting to go to Yale, but for drama. Apparently, Yale has a good drama program. I've just never heard of anybody who really went there for actual drama before. Uh, Maxwell was like, oh no, not an actor, which you're a theater producer. I... Which means he knows what actors are like. <laughs> but he is so. also out of, outside of the bit. The man is an actor. <laughs> like, yeah. Writers love writing dialogue for actors, which is, oh, actors are the worst. Yeah, It's a way, yeah, it's a way of venting. Uh, Maxwell gives in but only on the condition that Fran go on the date with them as a chaperone. Which is how we get the title, the Nushlep. Yes, which, what do they say that that means? Do you remember? Well, what they say is... The tag-along, the pathetic loser living on the cusp of other people's lives. But it's basically the, th- the third wheel, uh, the, the, the unwanted additional element. So, uh, me, basically. <laughs> uh, I've I've been the new schlep for most of my my no, let's my move. life. It's, it's Tyler and the relationship. Hi and Tyler. It's like we have Tyler chaperoning our date. Yeah. Of this episode. Hello. Yes, Tyler's the new schlep on the on the episode. It's actually very fitting that this is our first guest episode. Yes. I definitely <laughs> planned it that way. <laughs> we cut to the date, and they're having a date at the movies, and uh, Fran and Maggie are kind of talking before, and. Uh, Fran has given her advice on how to how to talk and how to be outgoing and just says like just be you but louder which Maggie takes in the very, very wrong literally. way. Hi. Hello. But there's also the elderly couple that Fran asks to move I down say, one. That was so awkward and weird. Like I feel like that that was way funnier on paper but then like being there with the actors, I don't know. Maybe if I was a director, I'd be like, you know what? This is not as funny as I thought it would be. <laughs> I, I loved it. Oh, really? Lo- that Yeah, that old couple who are like, it's it's like having two kind of surrogate Nileses in the, in the scene. <laughs> and I think that might be our episode title. <laughs> uh, just kind of confirming uh, Fran's kind of concern about like, yeah. she didn't want to be the chaperone. And Max was like, oh no, it's fine to be the chaperone. But in Fran's world... Uh, which he's talking to like an older Jewish couple and be like, yeah, you're, you shouldn't be here. You're the third yeah, wheel. What are you doing? And then little Jimmy Marsden shows up. Uh, Maggie acts on the advice to be louder. Hello. 
There's also a great bit of uh, so Fran is t- joking about how big the soda is, like the 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 classic movie joke, and then uh, Jimmy Marsden kind of builds off of that. And Maggie is trying to fit in, but she doesn't actually <laughs> have a joke at all. And be like, oh, it's so big that I'm not gonna be able to drink it. <laughs> how big is it? I, I don't know. It's like 32 ounces. It's. And- I just yeah. feel that I feel that so much when when you want to fit in but you don't actually have a bit yet. We've all lived it. I would know <laughs> nothing about that at all. Not <laughs> at all. Cut to Tyler like yeah. a billion instances before this moment. Prof- <laughs> yes, and now let's have a Tyler McPhail clip show. <laughs> a, a flashback to five seconds ago, ten seconds. But it is a. Uh, a, a painfully awkward conversation it is everyone is very happy when the lights go down the movie starts and then they can all stop talking <laughs> there is a god it's very like this scene also i think wants to establish that fran and little jimmy marsden have a, have some kind of connection like they are talking and bouncing off of each other which is then what leads into the next scene where uh, maggie maggie said Maggie, Maggie, Maggie sad. very sad. Even though it's Ego Day. It's Ego Day. Niles is feeling better. Niles made waffles. I want waffles. Yeah, I I love them. But like, oh, it's your favorite. Like, no, it's no, it's not. But like, oh yeah, it's my favorite. <laughs> I'm having waffles. Yeah. And I just love the bit of uh, Fran just assuming like, oh, they're they're Egos. I'm like, no, these are these are a very well like a traditional family recipe. They were served to a king. Like, no, they're Egos. This reminds me, I can't see Waffles on a sitcom without thinking of that Will and Grace bit where Grace says, uh, she's talking about a Belgian wax and Will says, what is, what is a Belgian wax? And she's like, oh, it's just a regular wax, but I treat myself to a waffle afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's a good joke. <laughs> yeah. I like that. So I can't, that's where my brain goes whenever I see Waffles on TV. And then Maggie kind of vents with Fran encouraging everything that happened on the date, which is, from her perspective, date did not go well. She's, as far as she's concerned, she's never seeing little Jimmy Marsden again. Because it was something of when Fran had initially told Maggie that she has to go on the date and chaperone, Maggie was actually kind of excited because she wanted someone there to encourage her and like kind of be like a safe person for her to bounce off of and to encourage her, which makes sense because Maggie has been looking to Fran to kind of get encouragement and Fran has been there. But now it's the downside of Fran very easily takes the spotlight of yes. everything. And Fran kind of dismisses this a little bit right up until the point where little Jimmy Marsden calls to speak to her. It's Master Eddie. There, what I tell you. I'm afraid it's not for Miss Margaret. It's for you. <laughs> the, the result of that phone call is that little Jimmy Marsden would like to see Fran on Friday night. Yeah, which... Does not go well, and Maggie does a full, like, very teenage tantrum, like, run, scream, cry. I actually liked her storm out. I don't know why, but it it just fit, like, every single one of those sitcoms, like, full house and everything. Like, they're always the Mm. same beats and same everything, where they just, the same turn and the same, like, ah, and then the door, and then the door is, like, closes and then doesn't close all the way because they have weird doors in sitcoms. I don't know whose houses have swinging doors like that because I always had normal doors that would just close when they close. Well, it's yeah, it's a set because they want people to be able to enter or leave anyway. That's true. I want realism, damn it. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, you can't have realism. It's the nanny. (laughs) Carol Channing was in the previous episode. Like You don't get realism. Oh, I love Carol Channing. 
So Maxwell and Fran have a conversation in which the crux of Maxwell's point is, oh, sometimes you're more like, you know, a girlfriend than a nanny. He's telling her this as a bad thing. Like, you need to be a... You need to be professional. Yeah, you need to be a professional uh, nanny figure. That's what you were getting paid for. And Fran's like, no, I'm going to do the exact opposite of that. Which works. She goes up to, to Maggie's room with a big box containing apparently one Malamar. No, it's multiple Malamars. Oh, she's eating multiple Malamars throughout that scene? Yeah, if you watch it, she's like taking a bite and then putting it down. And she's constantly grabbing a new one, though, and taking a fresh Mm. bite out of a Malamar. But she goes up and tells Maggie, like, you're too old to have a nanny. You're you're a teenager, which at that age, I was watching my younger siblings. They didn't need a. They didn't need a nanny. But friends like I. So I'm not treating you like someone that I'm watching. I'm treating you like a friend, and that's girlfriend code. And then yeah. has this whole rule system about here's how friends treat each other. Yeah, and explains that well, actually, because you have a crush on him and he has a crush on me, I I'm going to dump him because that's the official girlfriend code. And then she's eaten all the malamars and is giving a bunch of. A bunch of tips, which again is going into the reason why Maggie has initially liked Fran is that Fran brings Maggie into kind of this like popular girl world and teaches her all of this important stuff. Well, yeah, you know, they don't have a mom. And so it's kind of nice and like to have like Fran there who is, you know, a more chaotic like mom. But yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. You just introduced introduced a kind of. Uh, chaotic neutral mother figure and that's kind of that I think chaotic neutral mother figure might also be a good contender for the title of this episode (laughs) (laughs) so Fran is giving all the rules of something about chocolate there's something about gossip which she immediately is like oh the first rule is don't gossip about your friend but nobody listens to that (laughs) and then the the next cut is to when Fran is getting ready for the quote-unquote date with Jimmy Marsden and she's like, rule 27, just because you're breaking up with someone doesn't mean you can't look good. When there's a knock on the door, Fran goes to hide uh, Maggie in the butler cupboard to find that Niles is already there. And it turns out he just wanted a ladle. Just looking for a ladle. <laughs> ah, here it is. <laughs> Which is a setup for a very funny callback in about three minutes. Yeah. That made us both <laughs> laugh out loud. And... A friend does say, like, oh, I'm going to let him down gently. And Maggie is out for blood. She's like, destroy him. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, this is her first heartbreak. And man, she's going to get revenge. Oh, yeah. But Jimmy Marsden comes. He has, uh, what is it, ribs? He has ribs. He has ribs uh, to offer Fran. Jimmy, hey, Jimmy. Hey, Jimmy. Jimmy, hi. Uh, She's Jewish. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, hey, Jimmy, she points hey, it out James, like, my dude. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you're like playing the field and you're offering a Jewish woman pork. Uh, doing, doing, which she does later say that she's going to eat them. Oh, yeah, she does eat the pork. <laughs> she does eat the pork. We come to find out uh, Jimmy is not there to woo her. He, he's actually there to bribe her because he wants to ask Fran to give Maxwell his headshot and resume. Yes. Well, why didn't you just ask Maggie that? Well, because I really like her, and I, I, don't know, I just didn't want her to think that I was using her. Oh, but you don't mind using me. Yeah. No, 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 I mean... I, it's actually kind of sweet 
that he doesn't want he but i also feel like that could have been cleared up on the phone like hey could if i came by with a headshot and a resume not oh i'm gonna come by tonight i'm bringing ribs like i feel like that's it's a kind of classic sitcom miscommunication and i admit i'm complaining about something that without it there's no episode <laughs> but it does feel like jimmy marsden a local idiot could have <laughs> could have helped mitigate some of this confusion and distress. I mean, he's very like he's very cute. I do kind of get on his side where he's already kind of nervously doesn't want to be mm. too forward about it. Where I get that he yeah. wouldn't want to ask over the phone. He'd want to ask in person about it. And they do when they introduce him on this. Like they lean hard on showing him like as a young teenager. Like he's wearing the varsity jacket enjoying everything because his when Fran's like oh you were trying to woo me and she's like he points out no you could be old enough to be my mother which I do kind of like because I feel like uh they weren't making it clear what Jimmy's age is supposed to be he's 12 I don't know <laughs> I I'm 12 years old getting ready for college already and I'm working two <laughs> jobs uh, no, he is a teenager who should be dating the other teenager, not the 39-year-old. The 30-year-old. He is, if he continues dating Maggie for three more weeks, he is going to end up on a register. That's the scenario we're looking at here. He's no. approaching 18, I would, I would imagine. It depends on what their Romeo and Juliet laws are. Yes. <laughs> what a weird thing to name a law. Let's name a law after teen suicide. Like, let's do that. Wow, America. But so Fran opens up into the cupboard and everyone is there now. And why are they all there? I need a returning the ladle. Though the best, yeah, the best is Niles. He's like, no, to return the ladle. Yeah, it's so good. And it, it's one of those things where like everyone is kind of doing their own thing, but they all overlap so perfectly. And then Niles at the end with I'm returning the ladle. Like it was that every that kind of cacophony of excuses comes together perfectly i love it and uh maggie is kind of nervous about it because obviously she just overheard the whole thing mm -hmm. and i'm sure especially to the bit of like well i i legitimately like maggie and that's why i didn't want to ask yeah. her to do this thing because it's awkward and makes it feel like i'm using her so maggie's asking for him like oh he dumped you so does that mean that i can't date him and he's getting all nervous about a girlfriend code uh and fran dissuades that it's like technically he didn't dump me because he never liked me in the first place okay so there's your loophole make your move so then maggie gets to go uh date jimmy marsden again for now and never again he never yes. comes back <laughs> uh i do think it's nice that uh maxwell actually gives his blessings like yes you can go 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 have fun which like, is also something he never does again yeah they're gonna have the same sitcom thing of him not being okay with her dating. Yeah, it's it's strange that they don't have him come back. Like, that is really strange well, to me and awkward. I think what happened is he got the call to say, hey, could you would you be okay playing Cyclops in like seven years? <laughs> so he's like, yeah, sure. I'm going to prep for that role. I'm not going to do anything. I'm sure he did do other no, things. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure Sega was like, we want you, we want you in Sonic. Just eventually. Just just be close to a phone and we'll get back to you in about 20 we're gonna, years. We're, listen, <laughs> we're going to make a Sonic the Hedgehog movie. It's going to be big. Uh, obviously, we want to follow what's happening with that Mario movie Nintendo is making. He thought uh, that he had to actually 
be an X-Man, so he had just been pouring shit on his eyes. So was in the hospital a lot. This at the same time as he was trying to figure out how to also be Sonic the Hedgehog. Because <laughs> yeah. he had messaged. It was a garbled phone call. It was, Jimmy, we want you to... Sonic! And he thinks, oh, you're casting me as a blue hedgehog. Okay, well, I can paint myself blue. <laughs> yeah. Blue Man Group do it all the time. I'll just, I'll just reach out to them for some notes. And eventually Tobias Funke. Yes. <laughs> I, yeah, I think what happened is they were going to use him in another episode and he showed up painted head to toe in blue paint. So, yeah, I'm Method. I'm preparing for the Sonic movie. <laughs> yeah. And they said, oh, well, we obviously can't use you today, little Jimmy Marsden. Little Jimmy Marsden's presenting a big blue problem. <laughs> <laughs> so that is the end of the episode. Yes. There is a, like, a little after, like as the credits roll, of just Fran flossing the dog's teeth. Yeah. We do miss the bit as well where uh, <gasps> oh. Cece shows up with the fur. Oh, yes. Yes, because Fran says, oh, I hope, I hope she brought Chester. And then she walks in with this, very, what is very clearly a fox wrapped around her neck. And then Chester run, runs in a few seconds afterwards. I have a feeling that costume actually made a, a dog one. And then, and then like the censor was just like, no. That's too much. That's too much. No one wears. You you can't. No. But then we get that line at the end where friends telling Chester, uh, "You you better be careful. She might need a muff." Which is another word for vagina. Yeah. Continuing the theme of the show. Just collecting words that mean vagina. Yeah. And saying them in front of the English cast members who know that it means vagina. Yeah. Perfect. And then we get flossing over the credits, and that's the episode. Yeah. Oh, it's so great that you love to floss. I mean, you only get two sets of teeth. Except my cousin Ira. He got three. But, you know, he's a freak of nature. (laughs) Tyler, what did you think of this episode? Yeah, what did you think? It was interesting. I don't usually enjoy going back to the 90s. I've said this before, and, like, I think I've said this on a lot of podcasts. Like, I only watched Drew Carey's show because it's, like, it's strange. We're, like, Friends was, like, definitely targeted towards, like, the more liberal you know, left side. Mm. And Drew Carey's show was definitely targeted towards the right side. And now, from how we've progressed and stuff like that, Drew Carey's show is extremely progressive. And definitely, like, as I've, I never watched Friends. And so I watched Friends recently, and I didn't like it. The jokes were oh, very Friends offensive. Is the show, it's, yeah, Friends is the show that the concept of the friend zone originates from. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really offensive. And Drew Carey's show is, like, not. And so, like... That's the only thing from the 90s I like was like, okay, I can at least watch this. And I won't go into more detail on that. But like watching this, it was str- and, like that and Fresh Prince. I, I'm sorry. I will watch Fresh Prince on repeat. But um, I don't and know. Frasier. You know, I haven't watched Frasier since I oh. watched it with my dad. Maybe I should just go back and watch it. It's such a good show. I, 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 I started watching it just before I started therapy. Oh, wow. A, I, I've never been a Frasier person either. I've only seen like random like, like bits like, of things. I like a little Frasier. Yeah. They're rebooting it. Are they rebooting it or a sequel series? I'm so confused. It's a sequel series. Oh, that's but good. It's, it's, Frasier is already a sequel series to Cheers. Yeah. So it's like stacked sequels. Yeah, it's like, it was a whole universe. It was like it was Cheers. Yeah, Cheers, Frasier, and Wings. I think Fra- Frasier did appear on Wings a couple of times. Yeah, it was like it's all a shared but, universe. Crazy. Yeah. But um, you know what I would do? I would. I, I know that there, uh, there's always talks about like how would you reboot the nanny, and that's a conversation that we've had on the show. I think do a sequel to the nanny where Brighton needs to hire someone, and so and you have uh, like Maxwell and Fran as kind of 
secondary characters in in that new setup where Brighton is hiring an Emmy. I mean, I know that they've talked about they are apparently still working on the musical adaptation mm. of this. That's right. And uh, Fran is interested in basically playing the Sylvia role. Mm, that could be good. Mm-hmm. That could be very good. Yeah, I mean, if, if they were to reboot it. I mean, that also sounds like what they did like, with, with Fuller House. When I like read mm. what Fuller House was, like everybody's just like, well, we might as well all move back in and, and help out. I always thought that was really cringy. I was like, that doesn't happen. No, you don't need everybody. <laughs> yeah, if it does, is it, sometimes it feels like, what is the arbitrary thing we can do to put everyone in this situation that works? I, I had the same problem with when Arkham City came out. And Arkham City being well, what we've done is we've 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 expanded the 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 asylum and we've walled off part of the city. So why why though? Like you've had you've had to come up with a kind of a contrived story means for that to work, and it it, it that didn't work for me. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just do something new, do something new, make a new thing and call that the nanny. It's the <laughs> nanny. It's a reality show about uh, the Tunisian bobsled team. <laughs> So what did what did Benjamin think about this? Uh, Benjamin, uh, they thoroughly enjoyed this episode, except for the the dated stuff. The don't ask, don't tell joke didn't work. Uh, there was some body shaming with the wispy chin whiskers. Oh, yeah. There's a reference to making fun of someone in a turban. Yeah, of like friends, like that delightful <gasps> moment where I made fun of a brown person. I even yeah. I even wrote that down and forgot to bring it up. That was. <laughs> That was, yeah, that made my jaw yeah. drop. I was like, oh, awesome. No, yeah, there's some, no. There's definitely some stuff here that has Ugh. aged incredibly poorly. Yeah. But I think in terms of like, you can't judge something that was made in the 90, in 1993 yeah. by today's standards. We have standards. Our, our established from our first episode of um, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, but when yeah. the baby's racist, you got to yell at the baby. Yeah, and there's definitely some stuff in here to yell at the baby about, but uh, besides that, I thought this was, a ver- this was a fun episode. I think we're on kind of a wobble where we have a strong episode and then episode two was kind of not as strong. And then episode three I thought was... was stronger than episode two and then episode four i think the i think the main thing about this episode now it's a fine episode <laughs> it's a fine <laughs> it's a fine episode but um i think that the thing that pulls you into this episode now is the fact that little jimmy marsden grew up and became james Stuffer marsden and mm-hmm. has had a, a career where he's acted against sonic the hedgehog and the easter bunny yeah and the X-Men. Uh, so his his career, you watch this going, oh, he's going to grow up to be such a, a talented artist. And that I feel like that kind of... I wish, we, I wish I could swap my brain with 1993 Benjamin and watch this without the knowledge that that's Cyclops. Yeah. See, I actually... I, I do like this episode a lot. And I think what I like about it is that there's so many little jokes mm. that... They're, it's mostly just character stuff yeah. where Niles being a snoop, Niles deciding that he wants waffles and making wa- like the bits with Chester. There's a lot of stuff here where they're like developing these actual characters and they're not necessarily just in service of the plot, but yeah. it's enjoyable enough that those beats still fit yeah. in. And there are the things that... They're the little bits that I remember even when they're not relevant to yeah. the story going on in the episode. Yeah. I, I One thing I also liked was, I, I actually, another weird thing with like sitcoms is 
like even today, like the thing is like a lot of the times either the mom is just not there or the mom is not really there for like the emotional support for like like the little girl like like the daughter characters or the little girl characters because they're not like do- like they're not mother daughter or anything like that. It's a nanny. A lot, like, a lot so like it was actually kinda like nice to see, you know, uh Fran help out Maggie through through this. Like, you know, in, in fr- mm-hmm. sorry to say Fresh Prince like for like the billionth time. But like, you know, it was always uh a Shredder. They would always go to Shredder for like the really, really emotional scenes where Aunt Viv was like the powerful, awesome one who kept things real and easily my favorite character of the show. I love Aunt Viv, but she wasn't really there really for like the emotional part, but more to like kind of guide people to be better, like more the moral mm. part. So it was actually kind of like nice to have like this one scene because like look, look at Full House where it's always a guy, like, you know, one of the little girls going to a guy and never going to like whoever, whoever Jesse's dating. I forgot her name. Whoever, she's in jail. doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's nice having uh, female relationships that aren't like it's, Fran is taking kind of like a mentoring role yeah. Yeah. from her. And it's not someone that we would necessarily consider a mentor role and to the point of like Maxwell is even saying, hey, you have to be you have to be the adult here. And Fran is doing the opposite. It was like yeah. she's going to do this her way and she's yeah. this is how she's going to teach Maggie. That's that's the other thing I really like is that it's another example of Fran being an outsider provides the solution. Like this is not necessarily a situation that would have happened with with one of Maggie's previous nannies, but it is a solution. The solution is a distinctly it's a it's it's from Fran's upbringing, from her culture, like the the you know the, the official girlfriend code. Like that's all from Fran's upbringing, which is something that Maggie and Gracie and Brighton and Maxwell will not have had any experience of because the only code that they're probably aware of is is tax code and how to avoid having to pay taxes. <laughs> um, yeah, I think this was a solid episode. I enjoyed it. Uh, I, again, I think it's kind of a downswing from last time, but yeah. So Ben, what's our next episode? The next episode is Here Comes the Brood. Cece is jealous of how attached the children are to the new nanny, so to prove that she can be maternal too, she takes them to the zoo. I do remember this one. (laughs) I remember much of this first disc's worth of episodes because you ploughed through them uh, not too long ago now. So, Tyler, um, thank you very much for being our very own... Very first guest. Our very own new schlep. Yes. (laughs) However, I'm still not going to be able to pronounce that. (laughs) Uh, what do you have to promote? Tell us. Where do we find a Tyler? Oh, man. You can find everything The Grand Geek Gathering on thegrandgeekgathering.com. We're also on Twitch and our YouTube channel. Where a good number of our podcasts have transitioned over to video, if you want to see that, and some of our uh, some of our uh, smiley faces. And uh, we have articles, videos, and in uh, our podcast all on the website. And we also have our own fan Discord. So, yay. Yeehaw. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Mandy, where can people find you as a person? They can find me at Mandy Quesadilla on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yes, and you can find me. I'm at Ben Patton on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And it's also kind of Tumblr, but not really so much these yeah. days. You can also find our podcast. We're finally out on all the things. We just yep. got the thing today of uh, we're on Google Podcasts, finally. You can find us wherever you do podcasts and leave a review if you are able to on podcast things. Yeah, do please leave a review or talk about us on social media. Little podcasts like ours live and die by word of mouth, and we would definitely 
appreciate yours. We would appreciate living. Yes. <laughs> uh, but we're at Out on Her Fanny. Thank you so much for listening to Out on Her Fanny, a podcast about the nanny. I've been Ben. And I've been Mandy. And I've been Tyler. And yes, we, we do, do know, know it, it means, means vagina. vagina.